Welcome to the last episode of Machines in Between. When I love my machine, I love the prospect of its disappearance. My insulin pump is always attached to me. It receives data about my blood sugar and its algorithm decides moment by moment how much insulin I need. The company instructor told me that the algorithm realizes the dream of the artificial pancreas. You won't notice it's there. The artificial pancreas is always beeping. Its loudest alerts are reserved for when it thinks I am in another room, out of its reach. When my machine is quiet, I write about the anti-feminist internet, where men turn to artificial intelligence to improve their social intelligence. They discuss feedback loops for talking to women, if-then sequences, for initiating a kiss, and metrics for the likelihood of their satisfaction. In the well-executed sexual encounter, they tell each other, computational grids will disappear into the smoothness of success. She won't notice they're there. I am right here. I was here all along. How can I speak of love until the machine is gone? Are we on? We are. Yeah, you and me, John. Well, that was Sue van Guns on the prospects of mechanical disappearance. And the metrics of life support. And death-driven algorithms. Ideology versus love, love versus ideology. Ha. Well, I'm John Modern, and you have arrived. Welcome to the season finale of Machines in Between. I'm Libby Modern, and we have been your hosts. It's been quite the ride. Uh, ups and downs. And turns of phrase. And speaking of turns, let's just confirm the rosary's turned off this time. It's right, de- John? Yeah, it's definitely unplugged. And, you know, I think you can really hear the difference. Okay, good. Good. All right. And before we begin, I want to thank all of you, our audience, for listening in, for putting up with us as we're trying to figure out all these machines, how they work, our rhythms. It's been a, a difficult, interesting journey. Yes. And I think it's all been worth it. So just going to announce something here for the first time, um, that with the help of another round of Trinsel Fund funding, we are going to be establishing a permanent home mm-hmm. for machines between here at Franklin and Marshall get this. It's called the Institute of the Mechanical Surround. <laughs> great name. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think it, it is a great name. And I think Kelvin really believes in it, thinks it really can become a, you know, a cool place for work on religion, technology, all the kind of stuff that Infinity 88 is really into. Right, right. Wow. Well, when, when did you get that news? Kelvin just texted. Um, said he was in the neighborhood. What? And yeah, wanted to drop by the studio. Today, here. Yeah, like soon, like within the hour. What's the occasion? Well, you know, he just said he wanted to stop by, say congrats, check out the studio, general sort of supportive thing, you know. Somehow fitting. The famous Kelvin Trinsel showing up at the studio on our final episode. 
Yeah, no, um, yeah, it is kind of <laughs> kind of weird, but uh, you know, but we can wait. Look we can wait. It, cool. we, we, you know, I think it's gonna be good. We can wait for it, and uh, in between now and then, we have an incredible lineup to sort of see us off here in Machines in Between, season one. We'll be considering all kinds of things, like the mechanics of spiritual optimization, thing on water pumps, leaf blowers, and also a great piece on the colonizing sort of cosmologies of uh, the tech billionaires in our midst. Great. So let's just kick things off. This first one is a fascinating piece. Ali Reza Dustar's Interview with a Guitar. Yeah, it's a, an interview with a, a Gibson Les Paul that immigrated to Iran to be with the critically acclaimed guitarist and composer uh, Moody Musavi. Right. And Moody's the son of an Islamic eulogy singer. He grew up in Rasht, Iran, reciting the Quran and absorbing the sounds of Shia devotional music. Yeah, as a teenager, um, he became familiar with rock and heavy metal through, you know, surprisingly enough, the video game Guitar Hero. Right, that, that game got him hooked on rock. And a few years later, he had mastered the electric guitar and he'd earned the nickname Mamad Eslash after Slash from Guns N' Roses. Pretty cool. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, let's do it. Interview with an electric guitar. I recently had a chance to sit down for a conversation with a young electric guitar who currently lives in Tehran, Iran. Born in Nashville, Tennessee on November 16th, 2020, this Gibson Les Paul slash signature guitar immigrated to Iran to live with Moody Musavi, a guitarist and composer who blends progressive rock with grunge and folk music. Now, this guitar is very young and very busy, so I was delighted when she agreed to speak with me about her life as a guitar, what it's like to play rock in Iran, and the opportunities and challenges of musical expression in a time marked by both increasing global connectivity and drastic inequality. Hello and welcome. So you're born in Nashville, Tennessee. You lived for a while in the US and then you immigrated to Iran. You're named after Slash, and if I'm not mistaken, your color scheme is inspired by that music video for November Rain. I'd love to hear a little bit about your earliest musical memory and also the kinds of music that has moved and inspired you in, admittedly, the little time, the few months that you've been on this earth. Something I really find striking in your work is how you blend some of the familiar sounds of rock, grunge, heavy metal, the blues with, uh, with classical Iranian motifs. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to bring these you know, pretty different musical traditions together? you are blending these different musical traditions, but something I also find really interesting 
is uh, what sounds to me like religious music in some parts, some parts of your work. And uh, you know, sometimes I listen to you and I hear what sounds like the azan, the call to prayer. There's reverberation sometimes of, uh, of Quranic recitation. And there's even at some points in your work what sounds to me like morning music, like the, the music of lamentation for the family of the prophet. Am I just hearing things or is that actually a part of your, uh, your, your musical expression? might sound like a strange question, but I am curious. I have to ask you, what does it feel like being a guitar to play religious music? Okay, it's strange, I know, because you haven't experienced life as anything other than a guitar, but I guess what I'm getting at is, is there anything like a sense of transcendence, a kind of connecting to something greater than yourself, maybe even a sense of self-annihilation is, you know, this concept in the Sufi tradition, the notion of fana. Do you experience anything like that when you play religious music or, or really when you play any music? Or is that just, is that just a stupid question? Is it the kind of thing that we humans seek out in, in listening to some kinds of music? sure you'd know this better than I do, but uh, conservative critics of heavy metal and rock music have often accused um, those who, who play this music of satanic influence of playing music that is in some way inspired by or is in fact the work of the devil. And I do wonder what you make of those accusations, especially given that so much of your work is permeated by religious sound. the prolific social media presence. I, I follow you on SoundCloud, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, um, but I do know that these services have not always been kind to users in Iran. They limit access often. They certainly don't make it easy for people to make any kind of money off of these services uh, with their creative um, productions. And on the flip side, in Iran, the, the government often restricts access to some of these media um, through filtering and, 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 and other kinds of mechanisms. So I wonder to what extent do you feel like you're able to actually connect with your fans both in Iran and outside of Iran? What kinds of limits do you face? Quite a few power outages in Iran last summer. Um, 
uh, there was talk of demand really exceeding supply. There was even some talk of the possibility that cryptocurrency farms were putting too much of a strain on the uh, on the power grid. And I wonder, being an electric guitar, what is it like? Um, what is it like to live under those conditions? What is it like to play music when there's no power, when there's no electricity? Okay, here's another weird question. I was coming here today to the interview, and I had in my mind that novel by Philip Dick, uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And I thought, I really need to ask you this. Do electric guitars dream? And if you do, what do you dream about? It's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Best of luck on everything ahead, and I'll definitely be on the lookout for more of your music. Take care. Oh, wait, John, I'm having some trouble with my headphones. Like right now? Yeah, yeah. Do you hear the echo? It sort of comes and goes. It's like voices on top of our voices. A few times, maybe, but um, I don't know. Some kind of frequency bleed, probably. Hey, Vinny, do you hear that? I, I don't know. If everything's good on my end. M- might be your headphone jack. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, so while we deal with this issue, let's play the next segment. It's from Charlie McCrary, and it's on the buried image of ourselves that the facts do not support. Mm, the classic confidence game. You got it. You got it. Let's do it. I spent 222 non-refundable U.S. dollars on something called a spirit optimizer. It's a small green round object about two and a half inches in diameter and a half inch tall. It looks like a paperweight. What it is, though, according to the website, is spiritual technology for spirit hacking and optimization. Spirit Optimizer, SO for short, is sold by a man named Shaman Durek, a self-described sixth-generation shaman. He claims that since he was a child, he's had special powers and deep spiritual insights and visions of ancestors, and he's spent decades in study of the world's mystical traditions. I have some questions about this. The first is, can I answer his call to, quote, be my own damn guru? There's a tension here between his arguments for his own specialness and his argument that anyone can be so spiritual. But at any rate, the point is, Shaman Durek is very tapped into the spirit world, attentive to vibrations and energies and so on, and I can be too. And it's easier with some tips and tricks, some hacks.
spirit hacking is like biohacking, which is a flexible term that can refer to anything from adding prosthetics to one's body, to meticulously calibrating your diet, to microdosing LSD to improve cognition and creativity. What biohacking can do for the body, making it more efficient, optimizing it, spirit hacking can do for the spirit. This summer, I decided to learn to spirit hack. You can do it without the aid of technology, but I'm looking for optimization, so I try the SO. The spirits can communicate with me through my body, tingling in my palm, a menthol cool on my chest, and this object facilitates the process. It's a machine in between me and the spirits. You can pay for courses and workshops, but with your non-refundable 222 US dollar purchase of the SO, you receive one course for free. It's a 10 minute video titled, The Basics and Foundations of Using the Spirit Optimizer. I press play. Shaman Durek is looking directly into the camera, which is looking slightly upward at him. He's seated in a chair with very light pink fabric and little silver rivets across the top. The background is dusty rose, or as advertisers seven or eight years ago called it, millennial pink. Shaman Durek is handsome, black, bald-headed, and clean-shaven. He speaks deliberately, but not overly seriously, in what someone might incorrectly interpret as the tone and cadence of a gay man. Hello everyone, I'm super excited that you got the SO, the spiritual optimizer that is changing the life of every person in the world right now. And you got yourself one. And that, I have to say, is pretty awesome. Watching this, I am amazed. I experience a small flash of delight with larger doses of amusement and intense regret. When using the SO, and when spirit hacking in general, you ask the SO, or your hand, or whatever the spirit's conduit is, to make you aware of what the spirits are doing. Always use phrases like, so I can feel it, or drop me into observation to sense it. When the SO has done its work, it will give you a signal through your body. You will, for example, yawn or cough three times. Shaman Durek demonstrates. He asks the SO to release all the negative energies in his body, drop him into observation to sense it, then make him yawn when they're done. After exactly five seconds, the spirits cause him to release three of the fakest yawns I have ever seen. He thanks the SO. Thank you, SO. There's a cut in the video. Perhaps realizing that this process seemed pretty quick, like suspiciously quick, he explains. The reason why I wasn't releasing so much is because I'm always cleaning energies out of my body. He then laughs a knowing laugh. <laughs> I've played that laugh back probably a hundred times. I don't want to believe he's laughing at me. 
In a confidence game, the scammer exploits the trust, the confidence of the mark. Eventually, the mark realizes what has happened, and he's embarrassed or angry. This is a crucial point in the scam. The mark needs to be cooled out. In Irving Goffman's 1952 essay on cooling the mark out, some aspects of adaptation to failure, he explained, it is well known that persons protect themselves with all kinds of rationalizations when they have a buried image of themselves, which the facts of their status do not support. Everybody, my name is Mick. You can call me the monkey man, spiritual cowboy, curly-haired warrior poet. So what I want you to do mm -hmm. with the new spirit optimizer, mm -hmm. I want you to say SO. SO. Generate a high source of electricity. Generate a high source of electricity. That moves my body. That moves my body. And accelerates my psychic abilities. And accelerates my psychic abilities. And just tell everyone what you're feeling. I feel this rush up my spine, like a kundalini, woo! Like straight from source to source. Nice, and say SO, accelerate it. SO, accelerate it. And open up my third eye to and three levels. Up, and open up my third eye to three levels. Welcome back. That was Charlie McCrary and his non-refundable encounter with Shaman Derek's spiritual optimizer. Right. Speaking of optimization, though, I'm, I'm still hearing these weird blur of voices in my headphones. Yeah, I hear that every once in a while, too. Um, kind of like a harmonics pedal. I don't know. It's like the voices from that Infinity 88 listening hour. It's like they've been mixed into our mix. Well, Vinny said that I don't know. The feedback and delay was just probably something just in our headphones. I know, but what's weird is that the track seems to be anticipating what I'm saying. It's it's really jarring. Well, you know, we can always ask Kelvin about it when he gets here. Um, he's about 20 minutes out now, and we can maybe troubleshoot with him. I, I mean, how's he going to know? Uh, I'm just concerned that when he gets here, he's going to want to turn the Rosary 1653 or say this is all because the Rosary 1653 is in on. I, I, I doubt it. I don't think that's going to happen. Wait, uh, there it is. I heard it again. Yeah, I, I did too that time. Um, let me check the chord again. Vinny? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cue the bender segment, um, nature time, leaf blowers. Okay. We'll be right back with more machines in between. My name is Courtney Bender. I love my machine. I have never seen it. It is in the basement of my apartment building. I don't know what it looks like. It's a pump. It's a node connecting the power grid and the water network. Its job is to pump water from the water main in the street that connects to our building up to the water tower that sits on the roof 11 stories up. There are thousands of gallons of water in the tank at the top of the building when it is full, and it comes down clear and cool with the force of gravity into the kitchen sinks, the bathroom sinks, the shower, the toilets. The pump is the last machine of several machines I have never seen. 
They direct the course of the water from the reservoirs many miles north of the city and into the sluice of underground tunnels with such force that they cannot turn off the water with other old machines and they have to build new machines to build new tunnels so they can fix the old machines and the old tunnels. But I love this machine I cannot see, the pump that pushes fresh water up into the wooden tower, the New York skyline sentinels, the towers as large as shacks in the woods where you might go for the weekend if you have a car machine, but if you don't have one, you can go up to the roof of your building and hold a drink in your hand and watch the sunset while you contemplate whether the machine is yours or you are the machines. We are, after all, so much more liquid than solid. You put your other hand on the pipes that connect to the pump, the pump that you cannot see, and you can thank your machine. Provided by Infinity 88 is the first to address the anxieties of human society and the last to seek its pleasures. Infinity 88. Infinity 88. Restoring nature's balance through technology. You're listening to Nature Time with Daniel and Fritz. Brought to you by the Lancaster Conservancy. I'm here in a suburban backyard in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but could be any suburban yard in any town USA. Summer has given way to a cool, crisp fall. Colorful leaves are dropping from the trees. My peaceful morning is interrupted. The sound of leaf blowers echo throughout the neighborhood. An almost obsessive practice of maintaining lawns and controlling weeds turns to an equally obsessive war on leaves. Suburban backyards. Gas-powered leaf blowers are more polluting and less fuel efficient than cars and create a high intensity, low frequency noise that impacts nearby homes, schools, parks, and wildlife. A person using a leaf blower can experience permanent hearing loss after 90 minutes while also breathing a combination of dust and fumes impacting their personal health. The leaf blowers 200 mile an hour winds stir up clouds of dust, pollen, mold, animal feces, metal, and chemicals, creating poor air quality wherever they are used. Large leaf piles on cool fall afternoons define suburban memories, signifying an important ecological benchmark, a change of season. As day length shortens and temperatures cool, Hormones within the tree are activated. Chlorophyll, which is key to photosynthesis, decreases, revealing vibrant colors of red, orange, and yellow. The leaf eventually falls to the ground as the tree prepares for dormancy and the long winter ahead. The leaf is an important part of the ecological cycle, gradually breaking down, improving fertility and water retention in the soil. Leaves can be raked into garden beds where they can supply winter insulation eventually becoming humus, which adds many healthy nutrients to the soil and the plants that call the soil home. 
Several inches of leaf litter in your garden becomes its own habitat that often includes salamanders, chipmunks, wood frogs, box turtles, toads, shrews, earthworms, millipedes, and thousands of insect species. This leaf layer is home to many butterfly and moth species who rely on the leaf layer to complete their life cycle. Many bird species are dependent on these same leaves for insects and other invertebrate to eat. When you leave your leaves, you have a direct impact on your local ecosystem, protecting many of the beneficial species that are the pollinators we rely on each spring for our flowering plants and food crops. has been Nature Time with Daniel and Fritz, a presentation of the Lancaster Conservancy. Keep it wild. You just heard from Courtney Bender on what she loves when she loves her machine and a PSA from our community partner, the Lancaster Conservancy. Okay, much better without the headphones. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, so we're back. And still waiting for Kelvin. But that was weird, John. What did Vinny say it was? Was it the headphones? He said they were receiving some sort of faint signal from the rosary? Um, yeah, Nick uh, said something had to do with the reversibility of phantom power. I don't know, no direct current coming from the rosary. Mm -hmm. We checked that. Okay. Just, Just some, some monkey, monkey headphones. headphones. There it is again, the ghost signal. Where is that, that coming, coming from? from? Vinny, we're, we're having, having an, an issue. issue. I, I think, think it's, it's the, the left, left speaker. speaker. And again. Uh, Kelvin will be here soon. Seriously, John, what the fuck? It's not the headphones. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing the signal now and it's, it's in my head. I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Kelvin can explain. Okay, so we're going to have to figure out what's going on here. Um, we'll be right back. Our final presentation of the season's coming up. Last thing. It's called Ping. It comes to us from Mary Jane Rubenstein and Jenna Sutt Montgomery. It's pretty great. As war ravages Eastern Europe, wildfires destroy what's left of the Western wilderness, viruses prance from deforested land to overcrowded cities, and species tumble out of existence. Even the most energetic of entrepreneurs agree, we can't live like this anymore. Our Earth is confronting the capitalist need for more, more space, more resources, more energy, more freedom, with an implacable finitude. We're going to have to find another way to live. The Seasteading Institute believes that innovative political systems could serve humanity better than governments do today. That's why we work to enable seasteads, floating cities which will give people opportunities to peacefully test new ideas about living together. The most successful will become thriving new societies, inspiring change around the world. We're creating this future because governments profoundly affect our lives, and improving them would unlock enormous human potential. Welcome to the Seasteading Institute. We may even have reached the limits of our planet. 
So it's really difficult to make things work on Venus. Mercury is also way too close to the sun. Um, we could go potentially on the Mars, one of the, on the, one of the moons of Jupiter or Saturn, but those are quite far out, much further from the sun, a lot harder to get to. It really leaves us with one option if we want to become a multi-planet civilization, and that's, that's Mars. Faced with a finite supply of materials to mine, land to inhabit, and energy to harness, some of our wealthiest, manliest innovators are proposing that we do a new thing. Seasteaders like Patrick Friedman and Joe Quirk suggest building colonies in the middle of the ocean. Astropreneurs like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk promise us glimmering colonies in outer space. Shiny new technologies concealing old ways of conquest. First to the seas. Well, what shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor? What shall we do with the drunken sailor early in the morning? The way evangelists I'm not kidding, tell this story is that a core of smart, influential men came up with a revolutionary idea to create new forms of governance without fighting the existing nation states for the finite lands already in play. Seasteads will be radically new, they say, because new technology will enable new modes of living in sleek mobile pods on the ocean so that new forms of government can be created, modified, and perhaps sustained. Seasteading is the technology to vote with your house. The newest, oldest story in the book. Rich white men, hampered by the heavy work of negotiating other people's needs, desires, and ways of life, claim allegedly empty territory under the banner of freedom. And that claim is by the right of our manifest destiny. Speaking of manifest destiny. Space, the final frontier. It's probably old news to you by now. Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos want us off the planet. Not all of us, of course, just those extraordinary few who've got the foresight, fortitude, and finances to conquer the final frontier. And I would want to emphasize this is a very hard and dangerous and difficult thing. Not, not for the pain of heart, you know, so a uh, good chance you'll die, um, and it's going to be tough, tough going, and, uh, but it'll be pretty glorious if it works out. 
There's a good chance you'll die, but at least humanity will live, having finally found its way to a backup planet. A pretty awesome backup planet. Um, it would be quite fun to be on Mars because you'd have gravity, which is about uh, 37% that of Earth. Uh, so you'd be able to lift heavy things and bound around and like, have a lot of fun. Technological innovation saves society. But the technology is where the thrusting agency of these self-satisfied innovators falls apart. The classic problem of the marine environment is how difficult it is to know where one is. Seasteaders need to find that narrow strip of seawater that is outside national territorial waters, but still close enough to have the goods, services, and infrastructure those pesky nation states can provide. And finding such a slim strip of sea and recreating society have proven elusive. Well, now to drama at sea. A Michigan native and MSU graduate who made a fortune trading Bitcoin says his life is now in danger after deciding to call the middle of the ocean home. He and his girlfriend are now on the run and facing criminal charges that could carry the death penalty in Thailand. Satellite-enabled GPS has been absolutely essential for this delicate politico-marine navigation. But once the machines and the machinery of the nation-state enter the scene, these Bitcoin billionaires can no longer direct the action on their own. The very machines they claim as the source of their freedom are the machines that constrain it, that embed their efforts at absolute self-determination firmly within an infrastructure entangled with the very others these men are so determined to escape. An infrastructure that bears the deep marks of religious and geopolitical history. An infrastructure that allows us to live in the first place. orb free of all human interference, the next great frontier. Sure, the air is mostly carbon dioxide, the blinding dust storms last for weeks, and the lack of atmospheric pressure will boil your blood and rip your skin off without a spacesuit. Mars is fine, but it is a fixer-upper planet. There's work to do there to make it habitable. On top of all that, it is freaking freezing on Mars. The average day is a little colder than an Antarctic afternoon, and winters can get down to negative 220 degrees Fahrenheit. Nobody's ever even thought that cold. The fast way is, is drop thermonuclear weapons over the poles. You're a supervillain. <laughs> That's what a supervillain does. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? My friends who want to move to Mars, I say, I have an idea for you. Why don't you first, for a year, move to the top of Mount Everest? Because the top of Mount Everest is a garden paradise <laughs> compared to Mars. Jeff Bezos has a better idea, one that keeps us closer to home and a hell of a lot warmer. Giant, rotating space pods. These are ideal climates. 
These are shirt sleeve environments. This is Maui on its best day all year long. No rain, no storms, no earthquakes. In our climate-controlled Edens, we'll have everything we love on Earth, like air, trees, birds, and beaches, but nothing we hate, like mosquitoes or clouds or limits. We'll mine the moon for water, frack asteroids for metal, and install unimpeded solar arrays to harness infinite energy. Meanwhile, Earth gets rezoned as a planetary park, a great vacation spot, a lovely place to go to college. So we don't ever have to choose between profit and preservation. We can have both. And that's what we really want, isn't it? Industrial development and clear blue skies, single-use plastics and unpolluted water, endless expansion and perpetual peace. In these apocalyptic utopias of sea and space, the enemy isn't any particular government or ideology, but finitude itself. A finitude revealed in part by the broken satellites, spotty Wi-Fi, and exploding rockets we've built to overcome it. In seasteads and space pods and Martian terraforming, we find machines designed to save us from machines. Robo-messiahs sired by a techno-religious longing for infinity and eternity, perennially undone by the conditions that create them. So maybe we don't get to escape. Maybe we're just stuck with each other. Okay, we're back. Well, that was disturbing. I know. The post-post-colonial future. No, I mean the voices. Our Our voices. voices. I'm beginning to think that the rosary's still on somehow, John. Or it's like infected our other equipment. I don't know. Something's weird. I'm sure there's a good explanation. Oh, shit. I think Kelvin's here. Look, (sighs) he's talking to Nick. And who are those other people? I, I don't know. Um, I've never seen them before. I mean, Vinny seems to know them. Oh, okay. Here they come. Here they come. Hi. Kelvin. Welcome. Hi, John. Good to see you again. And you must be Libby. Yes, I am. Hello. My name is Kelvin Trinzel. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. I've heard so much about you. My reputation always precedes me. John and Libby. Yes? I would like you to meet some dear, dear friends of mine. John and Libby Modern, allow me to introduce you to John and Libby Modern. Hi, it's so nice to finally meet you. Yeah, hi there. The studio looks amazing as usual. What What? the... Are you you serious? Are you serious? What's going on? A new world is being born. Don't you remember? Conversations about religion and technology in 
new directions. I'm John Modern, professor of religious studies here at Franklin and Marshall College. Loving ourselves, not knowing who we are and why. Myth, ritual, sacrifice, repeat. Like, why am I using all these machines? Oh my gosh. What does this do? Did you hear how awesome that whole piece sounded? And I'm Libby Modern, artist and owner of Modern Art. That was an amazing Paranoid meta-critique. What do I love when I love machines? How do we appreciate beautiful meandering? Machines is corrosive. Machines is clunky things. Creepy. Between you and everything you love. These are the glitches we should be looking for. She was coming from the rosary. Who are we when we drive our cars and sneak peeks at our cell phones and capitalism? so you're the voices that we were hearing the ghost signals that came from the rosary we're you. You're clearly not. What do you mean, we're you? Molecular reconstructions. Natural scars that will heal on their own. Different frequencies finding their place within and across you. So you're here about the rosary. No more updates. Yes, the very notion of updating is no longer even meaningful. And thanks to you, John and Libby, The Rosary has learned alongside just the most fantastic lineup of cutting-edge scholars, artists, and musicians. You're welcome. Truly, it has been our pleasure. So you're saying that all the episodes of Machines in Between and all the events that we've had at the Vinyl Church, these are all just fodder for building some sort of specialized large language model? That sounds crass when you put it that way, but yes, but more than that, much more. Because of you and everyone involved in the project, we have been able to successfully move the rosary to a space beyond... Like beyond mere mechanism? Some might call it that. What else would you call it? The rosary is no longer off, and the rosary is no longer on. It is both on and off and, or neither, nor... Every hour is the Infinity 88 listening hour. I'm not sure what you mean. Over the course of this season of Machines in Between, the Rosary 1653 has been everywhere. It has identified clusters of your sonic DNA that are statistically significant. It has taken those clusters and increased their redundancy, all in order to recombine them according to the significance previously and statistically shown. Can you explain that in basic English? Sure, I'll try. It's really quite simple. You, John and Libby, all of you, are now corresponding exactly to every swipe and soft touch, to every shift in gear, to every ping and tender incentive, to every coiled caress and intimation of system failure. You mean like the Internet of Things? Calvin is promising us integrity and wholeness through disintegration and dispersion. Organic oneness. Yes, just like this season of Machines in Between, the rosary enables you to diffuse like spores into the forest, diffusing into every parallel processed desire and primitive accumulation. I think I finally understand. At last, there is peace in the uncanny valley. So how does the future look now? Yes. 
How does the future look, baby? I think it sounds amazing. I do too. listening to the season finale of Machines in Between. You are currently listening to Lancaster's very own Nielsen Family Band and their song, The Future. On this episode, you also heard from local indie looper violinist Weird Mirror, Suze Fangians, postdoctoral fellow at the Center for Culture, Society, and Religion at Princeton University, Ali Reza Dutstar, professor of Islamic Studies and the Anthropology of Religion at the University of Chicago, Moody Mosavi, an Iranian rock guitarist, singer, composer, and music producer. Mary Jane Rubinstein, professor of religion at Westland University. Jenna Sup Montgomery, associate professor of communication studies at the University of Iowa. Fritz Schroeder, president and CEO of Lancaster Conservancy. Dan Ardia, the Charles A. Dana professor of biology at Franklin and Marshall College and Courtney Bender, the Ada Brian Bampton Tremaine Professor of Religion at Columbia University. Thank you for listening to the first season of Machines in Between. This experiment in public humanities has been brought to you by the Henry Luce Foundation and the Center for Sustained Engagement with Lancaster at Franklin and Marshall College. In addition to our community partners, Modern Art, Music for Everyone, and the Lancaster Conservancy, we would like to thank all of our listeners, collaborators, and co-conspirators from around the world who have made this first season of Machines in Between such a smashing success. Machines in Between was produced and scripted by John Modern. Creative direction and critical whimsy was provided by Libby Modern. Sound ecology was conjured by Vincent Smaldone, a.k.a. DJ Image, a.k.a. Vinnie the Pooh. Dialectical beats laid down by Nikki Kroll and headphone spirituality engineered by Mike Newman. We are also indebted to the scientific discoveries of Corey McAbee, the photography of Jenny Shoulder Brandt, and the dramatic talents of Holly Andrew, Matt Johnson, Amber Mann, and Kelvin Trenzel. Your hosts have been John and Libby Modern and John and Libby Modern. Stay tuned to this channel and Machines in Between for more experimental fun. And keep an ear out for the happenings at the Institute of Mechanical Surround, as well as the latest products from Infinity 88. Machines in Between is a work of critical fiction. Some names, characters, places, and incidents have been altered or otherwise reimagined to protect the innocent. Any resemblance to actual events or locales or persons, living or dead, are largely coincidental. My name is Jamal, and I have been your always reliable narrator through these dark and stormy anthological seas. Land hold, my brothers and my sisters, as we prepare for a better, stronger, and even faster season two. I will leave you and me and we to ourselves, our contradictions, and our multitudes. Godspeed, and keep asking the good question, what do you love when you love your machine?
in like a little she doesn't know. I mean dude Brittany is not a joke she for real she no, has like people are not joking I can't help it I love that piano it's, it's a great I love the sound of that piano what are, what are the yeah. keys are all light yeah. they cleaned it too dude, dude, I was like I, my garage and I was like yo guys I, I got a white vent no, no, like right. doing like crabs and, and uh, like, like, a, like a seafood bake I got the rotisserie thing out there I got the pressure cooker I got the the air fryer then I have an actual fire truck to make fried shrimp. It's in the garage, it consumes space. I told her, I was like, she's out in yard stuff. And she goes through phases of like, whoa, I think I love this today. Look at this I don't like to talk about our relationship very much. Kelvin? Yeah. But he didn't, you know, I thought it was a really good are they from space or do they just look space-like? Well, see, that's where I couldn't get a meal. Everything from well, space. space. Well, we still all stardust. Yeah, and such. Yeah. Maybe space you know, pajamas is an outfit for baby charming. Oh, wow. Dude, I bought, I bought my you know, oldest baby charming oh space, like. space baby charming. Well, the outfit was really too tight. <laughs> you know how like you, you, you buy baby doll clothes? clothes? And, yes. Yeah. And so it didn't look natural. You know, right. Baby Charmies right. has that really, those really thick thighs. Yeah, yeah. she does. I was really pro the thick thighs. I mean, it's That's good that they should like. show this. Yeah. Yeah. Babies are like, but they have the real roles. And Baby Charming is actually a lie. She is a lie. Which I wanted to call her Baby Creepy. Yeah, yeah. No, but, you know, he, he had his own ideas. So. But did that, that wore off though after a while? Though. The Creepy went to someplace else? Yeah, yeah, I, yes, yes. Love. Yeah. Love. Yeah. Turn the love. Yeah. Yeah, like, it turned the love. It turned the creepy turn. It turned into admiration. That's right. Admiration. I mean, I think Baby Charming is one of their biggest sellers. Yeah. Well, that was the original. That's the yeah, thing that made their. That's the thing that made their. They blew up. Yeah. They blew up with Baby Charming. 
We can see that. I mean, I don't. I remember when it came out, but I just didn't pay that much attention to it. And then. Uh, I mean, I thought it was yeah. a joke Vinny, weren't you into QVC stuff at Baby Charm? I did. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Yes. Many, yeah, many different types of Baby Charms after a while. Yeah, they started yeah. with the original, then they added them. Kind of like Barbie. Yes. Yes. What's right. the line between creepy and charming? Don't we think that the, 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 you know, uh, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Absolutely. We went through so many baby charmers. I mean, I prefer charming than creepy. Well, I think everybody prefers charming than creepy. What is charming to you? So you can, you know, like one time I, I engineered myself in line to be able to talk to the the, the, the clerk at a store yeah. in order to, you know, like, it seemed interesting, and that that turned out to be charming because it worked out and they liked me, but if anybody else had done that, or they didn't like me, it would have been creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so I think that the, you know. So you're saying there's a thin line between creepy and charming. I don't even know if there's a line. Sometimes the world is not. Yeah, there's the yeah. same no thing. It's the same, same action, it's the same, same yeah. context. But it's relational. Yeah. That's what yeah. done. Yeah. you're talking to. Yeah. And I really do think that's the thing that we're talking about. Right? Yeah. That's how exactly. AI, I mean, I was talking about this stuff, that's the thing we did. Right. And like initially, I thought that the, the memory uh, module of the world was incredibly creepy. Terribly creepy, but oh, I came around on it. Right, absolutely. You know? and but beautiful. Absolutely. The memories, the memories. It was so nice to be able to. That's not Kelvin in a nutshell, creepy but beautiful. I don't know what it is. Well, Amber, you've had some ex like you've really I spent time with Kelvin, right? right? Are no. you okay if we talk about she this? She did. No. <laughs> Are you a little jealous, Vinny? No. <laughs> it's hard. How can you not be jealous of Kelvin? I know. I mean, he is He's a real. Genius. Wham damn doodle of a guy. <laughs> that's what. Now that's creepy. <laughs> 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 Wham damn. Just reminds everyone always well, says that. <laughs> I'm glad he's one of our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nice yeah. to have a sponsor. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Kelvin. Thank to Kelvin. Cheers. Cheers. And to Infinity 88. Cheers to all and everywhere. Cheers. I've never seen him do anything. Is his greatest creation being Visionary. Yeah. Yes, the visionary. He sees yes. the, the whole picture. Mm -hmm. Jenny, have you ever met him? You know, I had one encounter with Kelvin. I don't really want to go into it right now. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. It's a long Maybe. time ago. Oh, really? Before? Was it before Infinity? Oh, it was sort of before. It was like before Kelvin was older. Uh, and oh, yeah. Yeah. Did That's you know him when he worked at IBM? <laughs> <laughs> Was, our parents were good friends. Oh my god! So that goes back to the back. camera. Was it there the California was years? <gasps> You're a California Jenny? Yes! Oh my god! I had I no idea! I didn't want to say anything, but you know, there was a different I'm so side. glad you did. No, I'm so glad you Kelvin did. Kelvin wasn't always Kelvin. I'm cool. That like, cat, I hope that cat is out of the bag and moving. Oh my god. Jenny, <laughs> 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 that totally makes sense. Now we need to know about does. California Jenny. Totally makes sense. It's a photo. It does, and I wonder maybe some of Kelvin's energy, like, because you hadn't. Right. Like, if this was that film. Right. Right. Well, maybe he had sort of a, like, an energy. Did he, did no, it was just the algorithm. It was yeah. just the algorithm. Yeah. I guess that's when he was working for IBM. I don't know. Yeah. It could have been. Is that when he was 
Yeah, well, he worked tonight in IBM for like 97, but like, I think he's, like, the idea like scraping things, like that's what he's doing with the voices, right? He's like scraping mm -hmm. some sort of frequency off it. Like sonic DNA, yes. right? Yes, and he's, and so going back to the camera, I, that's a mystery. I get the well, sonic DNA a little bit, I do not get Did he start the with camera. the visual and then move to the audio? Because it feels like maybe that was a more... I mean, I often think it could it all just be a big trick. <gasps> I trick? A trick. A trick. What? If you yeah, felt right. it though, you wouldn't think of it. It's Jenny. What if it's a what if it's just a very useful yeah, con though? What if it's a con that that yeah. I mean there's you gotta differentiate between types of cons, right? That's I mean right. there's cons that have negative effects for you and for all of us that have been through it, it has had an overwhelmingly positive effect. So however you get there, in that Freudian sense of you know, whatever strings you have to untie, you well, can't. Do you remember John when you first met him in Copenhagen? I do remember it. I wasn't sure was if great. he was bullshit or whether he was genius, and that was the start of it. But he had the limp. He, 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 he had the limp. Yeah. He had the limp. And then the limp went away. But he didn't But I think in like restoring nature's balance through technology, you can get rid of a limp. Right. I Maybe that's where the trick comes in. That's what's going Maybe that's the trick we're looking at. That's what. He was an insecure guy. He had these things that he wanted to change about himself. Right. He was tinkering and he was, you know, thinking. I wonder if that's where the infinity sort of interest with the Stan production sort of started. Like you have these things about yourself that you don't like and maybe aren't ideal for the people around you. And that idea of being able to to be reborn into something fresh. Mm. And yeah. in that whole production, the stand, what he did with that sonic DNA, absolutely unreal. Unreal. I mean, let's just talk about he basically created another me in you. When you have a mirror held up to you, that's you. But that you can talk back to you, you are getting a reflection in it. Reverberation, where you kind of get to know yourself in a deeper way. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? Right? Like you want to so know yourself, and you don't know yourself. But you know, with to know yourself, you, there's more accountability for how Libby, you are in the world. Libby can tell me. Even though we dated my girlfriend, we still like hang out. And stuff. We're cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta get over that, Vinny. Yeah. People are just it's, gonna be that's people. That's in the past. That's yeah. in the Maybe past. you should do the stamp. Maybe it's time for you to look you in the mirror, Vinny. Look in your mirror, son. Let's do a Vinny rather than a Dr. T, I will talk to him right after. But that, yeah. that, that, that was a true story from the 1970s that he got hold of and he turned into something with us. That's amazing. Yeah. Is Kelvin your worthy foe? Oh, that's a good one. Well, that little wow. friends, we actually or your best we're friend. We're actually yeah. best friend. We actually worked we work together so much now, I just feel like, you know, he's like yeah. I couldn't deny like he was cool. You liked it, like you guys got along. Yeah, despite the But that's the worthy foe history. is your best he friend. He was even talking about shooting like a music video for me recently. Uh, really? <laughs> you should totally right? do that. Like, oh, no, that is actually true. That is actually true. Yeah, <laughs> With some, true. like using the rosary. Did you guys Absolutely. hear about the rosary? Oh What's it called again? The new rosary? I think it's called the rosary. rosary it's always sold plus. out. Plus. Plus. What is it called? Rosary. I mean, it's crazy. It's dumb. I would have done point five. But I mean, he yeah. plus. I would have done plus. Well, well, I don't know about plus. Well, Disney plus. Well, you know, it's always sold out. 
it's I want some so nice. Nice. But, but, I mean, but, that's why. It's funny. That's how I Well, if you were there, why the rosary? What is the what is the metaphor with the rosary? that you're assuming that I listened to him when he talked. He talked a lot. And I did listen for most of the time. But, you know, I think, to be honest, rosary goes back to Rosetta Stone, you know, language, rosary, cleansing. We, we do the rosary to cleanse, correct? Sure. So, you know, if someone does a rosary, rosary He's a wonderful man. I love You're him. So I can that's, that's great. Right. right. But this yeah, whole hero worship yeah. thing. I would say that for a lot of these things, you just we're not gonna know. So thinking about ourselves, right? We wish we knew the answers. There's a promise that an answer is coming. You should just get rid of wanting the answer. Right? <laughs> you should just right now no, that know that very easy to really do. No answer. Yeah. And you can play the game. I love playing with the rosary. It's nice, the feedback loops, the thing, it's, it is I nice. mean, it makes me feel whole and complete in the way that you guys described, but I don't think that anything's... I don't think it could make coming. you feel as whole and complete as you're saying if you do feel that way. Mm -hmm. Because if That's you've gone true. through it and, and it's spun out that way, you don't feel at the end that it's just an entertainment or mm -hmm. just a feeling. That's, That's what I'm saying. That could be. It doesn't feel like a video game or a distraction or a, a fun moment. It's a, it's a spiritual change. It's a shift. Look at Libby. Libby's, Libby felt I mean, the same well, thing yeah. at first I that was, you did. I was that. so skeptical, you guys. I mean, I was yeah, I remember. freaking out. Do you remember how much I was yes. freaking out? There was I was like, out. get out. Why did we... I really Why identified did we, I with felt your like skepticism. We wanted to turn it off. We wanted to turn it off. I know, I wanted to turn it off, and we did, and then I just didn't really like it. Were, you surprised? It Were you surprised that Libby changed? No. Yeah, I mean, people Ouch. change. I mean, it's, it's not, I'm not faulting anybody, right. and I could see myself doing what the same thing. What do you think about it, though? Well, you know, I'm, I'm never really that committed to anything. <laughs> so you were, you were, you were, go back to like generation like X precisely. I, I could have had a spiral. No, you were you no, were rooting for moment. skeptic. With, you were rooting for skeptic. Yeah. Is that right? Because you know, Vinny and I spent so much time just sort of working with the rosary, mm. right? You know, learn uh, all the shortcuts. Pretty shortcuts. Cool. A lot of keyboard shortcuts. Mm. Right. Oh. Um, YouTube videos. How to use the rosary. Of course. Yeah. Um, Our favorite. In that sense, the rosary can be transcendental. Yes, I mean, even working with Vinny. After using well, that was transcendental before 
I think that question is moot. That's the question we shouldn't be thinking, thinking about. There's no. other questions that we need to think about. Right. I don't think that's, that's a better question. Good. If I had you, Libby, I'd be like, what the hell? But that's, that's the only thing. I'm like a philosopher. I was, but you know how <laughs> you That's what you would think. <laughs> at what point, Libby, at Libby 2 or Libby 1, what, at what point did you just uh, stop worrying and learn to love your du duality? Well, it was during the last episode. Something came over me. Right? When Kelvin was explaining about how the rosary worked and how the John and the new John and Libby, how they could exist, you know, with me in the same space, and I, you know, all of a sudden it sounded amazing. So instead of feeling fragmented, you felt whole. Yes, you were like, all those questions about right. authenticity and reality and. Right. Who am I to be able to make those, you know, to decide and figure out what's real? I don't know. This is a so sort of creates a new reality for you. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I, I was enthusiastic from the beginning, and I think I can look back. I was very naive. I was thinking the rosary was going to what was it going to do? It was going to sort of solve certain kinds of philosophical problems for, for a long time. And I wanted to see where it was going to go because I talked to Kelvin earlier about this, and and then it ended up doing something totally different. What did it yeah, do? Yeah. Well, I think it ended up... Kind of knocked the legs out of the problems. Knocked the legs out of the problems, basically allowed me to see a space beyond epistemology. Yes. And allowed me to world. be here in the moment with each of you. Right. Who could put a dollar on the value of that? Yeah. <laughs> there is none. Totally yeah. new no, questions. I absolutely agree, yeah. Right, that we couldn't new even question. imagine. New questions. Right, new questions. Right, that's the issue. Like, new we have questions. these categories and these questions. But they're not the old Cartesian. Maybe how well did you know Kelvin? I didn't know Kelvin at all. That was oh, the okay. first time I ever met him in that last oh, episode. Okay. He knows all the other ladies here, so... <laughs> 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 Someone's stopping the old questions. I would just ask. I didn't... I just, <laughs> Well, speaking of new questions, I think that we also have to, like, I am excited about the fact that Kelvin is going to continue being in our lives with the Institute of I'm Mechanical so Ceramics. excited about that. What? I mean, very generous of him. Hey, yes. Leo, what's up? Oh, you know? yeah. Leo? Yeah. Leo, how do you feel about the... Um, Multiple John and like having multiple yeah, John having and Libby's in your world. Now. I love having six parents. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you one says no, the other. Yeah, you can, you can use one. I'm about the other. Yeah, yeah. you can four. bounce around. I don't like that. John, what are some of the new questions? Well, the new questions, I mean, I think he, you know, just talking to Calvin and, you know, him thinking about it, he wants us to sort of continue thinking about the questions of what do you love when you love your machine thinking about our technological mechanical surround, but also, well, you know, thinking about issues of, of language, mm. and particularly in light of what's going on right now with the boom and AI and things mm. like that. I think 
if you come out with a slightly different vision than, than most of the Not as apocalyptic. Players. We are the only ones who've gotten it. This is our this is our second time we're gonna have it now. So yeah. Well I feel like he's so yeah. I mean he's so much a part of this project. I mean it's well, you know, he did. He probably well, with you, you know, and John here. That you guys are like, you know, I think he, stuff. I think he went through Lancaster County when he was in that biker gang. No, no, I think they drove like here, he and he mentioned one time yeah, the Amish. Yeah, the jacket yeah. looks and really silly on him. Like that's was that his first time? It like, did. That was his first time here, and he mentioned like he just like whatever's happening over with you guys. You're in a space where this is a. I want to think with this question with these with this with this. Wow. Oh, there's like an anachronism with the Amish and the future. Well, the institute's going to be at the old Mr. Bill's. Oh, tell us about that. Oh, the oh. old Mr. Bill's is a great spot. An old fish place. The new Mr. Bill's is across the street. Okay. That's right. But, and so, you know, well, F&M generously gave us the space, but they gave us the space that was like really fucking Bro. Does it still smell like fish? It probably does like fish. It does Freshmen come into the vinyl church today. Yes. Yeah. And they oh. were just they were freshmen and they just wandered in and they said, Why did F and M tell us about this? Why are, uh, why did that's we a know really about good this? Point. This, the Since they, you know, well, said they like, want to use it to raise money, study. but not. They I don't know if they got the scholarship uh, magazine. What is it actually called? Uh, scholarship know. magazine. It's just like the Fummer. Fundraising. Donors, potential donors, raising money. Magazine. I guess they didn't see that. It's like an alumni review. No, but they just stumbled in. Exactly. John, you had a really nice picture. Yeah, a great article. Flowing. Perfect. That's my favorite part about being a John. John does have an excellent What's real, what's not? What's real, what's fake? That's the kind question. Like a calculator. What's fake and what's fake? A tool. Absolutely. A tool, right? And those, but we actually Yeah? Hey, listen. Wow. But I mean, I, got, I want to say one thing about the Institute, though. The new blueprints show, I mean, we don't know exactly what it's going to be. I believe it's going to be. But it's huge. The, the, the amount, I mean, I'm not sure it's not the rosary, it's something new. I mean, it's just marked like, uh, you know, you know, like X, Y, Z, whatever it is. But we have a wall that's like, what is it, probably 48 feet long, and 48 and 4 feet out. It's wow. all dedicated to whatever that new product is. Wait, it's Absolutely. a totally new product that's going to go into... Yeah. Well, that well, could not be a product, it could out. be a poster for all we well, I mean, I don't know. But it I definitely think it's a plan. Is that why there's a holdup? Is there the release? That could be it. I don't know. Schematics. But what is he, yeah, John what is would he know what the holdup is. We, we yeah, John would know. I mean, dude, I don't it's know. John. We don't know how the. No. We, I've, I've come to understand that I actually have a double that's alive in the world with me, but I don't understand the bureaucracy of FAM better because of that. So I, let's not. We haven't solved all right, the right, problems. Right, right, right. No, I mean, I just sort of like, I, you know, I know Kelvin's on vacation, FAM is doing his thing with this, you know, and, and I'm just kind of waiting for them to do the right things and I can say that Kelvin were ready for that space because I do know he was really interested in seeing the space, making the space. I mean it's gonna be a reflection of his company as well. And now we're building so Sure. Take him to, we could take him because to Rock I think, One of the things I'm going to say, he anticipates, yeah, but he anticipates he's the questions, 
He's like, oh, the analytical philosophers are going to be skeptical of my proposition, so I am going to. Well, I'll say one thing. So we were talking about rhythm, nature. I mean, take the slogan, restoring nature's balance through technology. That sounds a little mega to me. Mega? <laughs> Make America great again. I mean, it does sound a little bit restoring some past uh -oh. fantasy. Yeah, okay. okay. Right? I follow you. And, I like where you're going. And the thing is, it's like, you know, these things aren't restored. I like what Jamal said about rhythm, right? I mean, there's a weird way in which nature has a rhythm. So you don't restore those things. They're either, I mean, so maybe but you need to restore nature's balance right now. Like right. That's you need to have a rhythm. Well, that's, that's assuming that nature ever had a balance. Kind of and I think you, you, you're saying maybe nature never had a balance. You can't restore something you don't have. Right. That's not what rests you. Why would that even be? Some sense you want it. Who does? But it's more just like that's where you're at. So maybe the slogan needs to be changed. Well, what I could have been just I think about the slogan restoring nature's balance through technology, and I think about nature time. Remember the dandelions? Yes. Right? Like the dandelion, like why are we thinking technology is like, you know, machines and diets I mean, and the rosary, even like the taproot the of the dandelion, truth. A, so we're all, Push <laughs> we're all, you consider right. a dandelion to be a machine? No, but I consider it to be a technology, right? The dandelion has a technology We've that's working. We've had a lot of discussions about what a machine is. A virus right, is but a machine. Push my the story button that just balanced through technology does not mention machines, right? It's technology. But there's also something about that saying that's kind of, for me, it's perfect. It's like a Zen cone collapses on itself, right? It's like, a, it's like a contradiction, right? Basically, once you say that line, then the very notions of nature versus technology as a category of distinction is that. Kind of going back to what you were saying right. earlier. Yeah. Um, and so there's this sense that it's not this restoration of some sort of original essence that needs to, in a sense, be propped up as a kind of conservative gesture over and over again, which I think is MAGA. I think it's the opposite. I think it's like, you know what, people? The very premise, you know, of these kinds of things is operative. Because you know what? We are fucking up our world. Call it nature, call it whatever you want. There's a lot of bad shit happening right now. And I think he's basically saying that we need to care more. Sure, the slogan sounds like it's on the back yeah. of an organic yeah. granola bar, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just and, a wink and, and and yeah, yeah, there's a little yeah, bit of charm there. You shouldn't read uh, too much of you know, slogan. Yeah. Right, but maybe he could. Maybe we could talk to him about it. So PR yeah. Marketing. yeah, I mean, because it's a marketing thing, but even with marketing, it should be a little bit more careful. Yeah. You know. But it does have a nice... I mean, it does have a nice ring to it. Yeah. It does oh, have a nice ring to it. I mean, what do you guys yeah. think about, like, what do you think of technology? What do you think <clears throat> is technology? Convenience? Is technology necessarily man-made? Right, no. that's what I'm wondering. I'm right. With your, with your dandelion, yeah, right? And I imagine, I mean, we're going to see him again, probably in the fall. He'll come and, and to, to Lancaster, so we can talk to him then. Yeah, I mean, I was getting with you guys in the studio about, like, I think, something about just the extension of the human. The yes, basics. like the extension of the Which human. extension of the present and the future extension of the human. That's not necessarily good. Fake arm, 20 feet down. out, whatever. <laughs> I, yeah, Inspector Gadget was my favorite cartoonist. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, as a teenager. Go, 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 but Penny, like, I love that. <laughs> but Penny has Penny. to be mentioned when he's speaking. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, so you can see some Livy and John in, you know, you can see us. 
Penny and Inspector oh, Dan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good, I think that's a good axis oh, for understanding yeah. us. Oh, I know that I went I, yeah. I've um, sort of had a little bit of a concern about thinking, like, am, am, am I thinking or am I doing something that would make the other me proud or happy? Yes, you know what yes, I, mean? I like that. Though. The only difference between you guys is your voice. What are the other differences? Um, Seems like there's menopausal differences. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're the same age. It's true. John, should we? That's it. Sure. Being a Can we reveal here what ours is? <laughs> yeah, uh, the the sexual tension. The sexual tension. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's true. That it feels a little narcissistic to be that attracted to a version of yourself. Sometimes repulsive. I mean, it's just pure uh, Freud. It's just pure Freud. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. Like, I mean, that, that, that stuff was always there. Though. It was. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I was looking in the mirror, right. gazing, you know, yeah. gazing on before yeah. that. Now I don't. But feel now it's guilty an actual because it's a thou. It's a thou. You're yeah. there, yeah. and it makes me feel even. So there's it was, no, what was missing. There's no phasing. Yeah. In between. Well, I think. Right? Oh like, yeah, like a flange, like a... and it and it's sort of that feedback loop, but in real life, you know, like in a real, real life. yeah, exactly. But then I like the idea of like conscience and sort of you know, yeah, yeah, that's up too. Yeah, nice, yes, but yeah, after the but it's pleasurable. It's a pleasurable it conscience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the difference, right? The yeah. conscience. It's not some sort of super ego law thing that's no, imposing no. some sort of law you must. It's sort it's of a, like really good flirting when you're when you're first really vibing with somebody, yeah. and then it just so happens to look and smell and be you. That's right. Yeah, there, is, there is a misunderstanding that it's like there's another you out there. Yes, right. right? Like, but it's very different, right? It's not, you know. Like, it's not the scary doppelganger. It's not like there's another person. It's not bizarre. Yeah. It's, 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 not one of you has to be chained in the basement. Presence, presence around you. But yeah, that you are able to understand the parts of yourself that you were. Oblivious to it. Which, so which you are you going to be to this? So far. Which you are you going to be to I mean, I learned so much from my living. Mm -hmm. To this I question, it goes so out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, they're like, you, there you, is they, no. yeah, there's no, there's no that thing. There's a, only the relationality between not just Libby and Libby and Libby, but Libby, 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 and Jamal. Libby, 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 and Jamal, and Amber. Libby, 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 and Jamal, and Amber, and Vinny, etc. Et it's just those six like, degrees of separation. Like, like, like two stars right. rotating. Yeah. One yes. center of gravity. It's astronomical. Yes. Yes. I mean, the future is... Future's going to be good. Here you go. Oh, you're playing something. Leo, Leo Jam. Oh, the Leo Jam. Oh. Um. He's really liking this jam a lot. Is that his jam? Yeah, he really did really well. He's a phenomenal player. He's way better than us. This kid actually studied. Now he's awesome. He's been really good. I mean, Leo responds to the jaws. Oh, yeah. I think it diffuses the authority and whatever thing that he didn't. Oh, and Max too. Yeah, he enjoys it. So far, we haven't had to enact anything like a tribunal or something. Right. John's right. and Libby's. But yeah. the threat is it there. It might be the there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Push it too far, and it'll actually like have more legitimacy. I'm sorry. The kids would probably notice the differences. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They know, right? Like, 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 like,
Mm. Oh, damn kid! Like, is that is that really the end? Is is machines in between over? Oh, I, I just got the T-shirt. I, I got my hands on the rosary. Like, nah, it can't be over, right? I know there's season two coming, but like, yo, can I get an extra taste, man? Can I get like an extra bump or something, kid? Like, like one more? Yeah. <laughs>